Man, amen. All right, so welcome to our Relationship Boot Camp 2021. Yes. Amen. Uh, this is, uh, I believe, our fourth installment, uh, but it's our part two of, of moving past hurt and growing pains that we talked about on Sunday. Mm. Um, so, so we opened up with Sunday just talking about <clears throat> how to bounce back and begin again, especially uh, going through just uh, growing pains and relationships in our lives. Um, it could be it could be boyfriend and girlfriend. It could be parents, um, relationships and ministry, churches, um, working relationships. But it's always hard to navigate through um, just some of the, uh, the the mishaps and the hurts. And we also talked about just the natural growing pains of growing in relationships in general. So we had talked about it's kind of hard for us to move forward. <clears throat> And to grow, uh, we can't have new relationships, or new release, new relationships can't begin looking through old lenses. Mm. It's hard to begin new relationships looking through old lenses. And a lot of times, we, a lot of us show up, we show up, especially in this world of sin, we show up hurting, you know, even if it's just, you know, just a basic start to a friendship. Sometimes we mm. show up. Uh, just in, in a hurting situation and in need of healing. I know when we first got together, you know, again, you know, I told you I wanted to be in love. So when we first got together, okay, now I find the love of my life. I want to be in love. <laughs> and I, th I think the original struggle at the beginning was me recognizing that as much as I wanted love, it was going to cost me something. <laughs> mm -hmm. And God sent me to help her to heal first. I was going to get what I needed later, but, uh, but I wasn't looking at she's broken and she need help. I'm just looking at, you know, okay, this is. What about my needs? This is, you know, this, this is the part where I get, you know, uh, the thing from a, a wife or somebody I'm in love with. And I had to realize my, uh, a big part of my responsibility was to help that person to heal. And once she healed, I was going to get everything I needed. And vice versa. I mean, there were some areas of, in your life that God knew that um, he put us together, one for me to assist in his healing process as well. Um, so it was really... Um, both had to both look, of, look past ourselves yeah. and, and, and look to meet the needs of the other person. Mm -hmm. All right, so, so uh, uh, that's going to transition us into some things that we want to talk about today. You know, a lot of these situations are us taking a chance, taking a second chance or given second chances. And, and the only way you can really give people second chance, especially if they've hurt you, said something crazy, uh, I've done, I've said some crazy things, um, unintentional, but they still have the same effect, right? You know, you get mad and you just start blurting out thoughts, reflex thoughts, <laughs> you know, and when you got somebody that has a long memory, um, <laughs> you know, you could pay for those thoughts. But to give a person a second chance, you have to see them like God loves us. Mm -hmm. You have to see them like God loves us. God gives us an opportunity to move beyond some of the hurts and pains that we uh, facilitate when we are basically um, mushing his face, all his love and his care for us. Um, so it's going to take us seeing people uh, like God loves us to give them a second chance or to take no account of a suffer wrong, as it says in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, 
Um, you know, that's a big scripture. Uh, the whole process of 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 is pretty big, but, but just take no account of a suffering wrong. Like, you know, you could read through it, but the reality of what that means, you know, like not write down uh, when wrong is suffered, but most of us carry the pain of what's happened, you know, from, uh, again, as we've talked about, beyond that moment throughout our life. We'll talk about that later. You know, I actually heard someone say, um, some people bury the hatchet, uh, but they leave the handle out. <laughs> so... <laughs> So if you think about it, they buried the hatchet, but hey, just in case, they left that handle out so they can grab it any time. So I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty uh, uh, fitting for what we're talking about. I think that's perfectly fitting. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, was, uh, I was processing through this message, and I ran across this quote that really just hit me. Because a lot of, lot, the adversary is looking to try to bury us in pain and in our past and some of the things we've gone through. And so I saw this quote that, man, I, I just couldn't get away from it. It, said, it says this, they tried to bury us. Mm. And then it said, they didn't know we were seeds. Uh, it's by uh, the guys at uh, Harvard Medical School graduates. There's a bunch of guys that graduate, gra- that uh, graduated from Harvard Medical School. And I just thought that was powerful, mm-hmm. you know, because I think that's our lives. Like, the adversary is working so hard to bury us. And if he knew we were seeds, he wouldn't try. He's only assisting us into flourishing and into doing greater things. So it's, 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 we're going to spend some time talking about how we process through some of the, the growing pains or some of the, uh, uh, the pains in having to navigate through some situations. A lot of it is pressure. A lot of it is pain. But I want to share this with you. I, I, I picked this up too. Uh, pressure makes diamonds. So, and pain makes pearls. And so without pressure, you do not get the diamond. You don't get the brilliance. Uh, because that diamond has to go through a lot of pressure to become the stones that we wear. And, when, and, and the quote, pain makes pearls. The reality is pearls are formed Pearls are a form of an ulcer. So when the, the oyster is uh, dealing with parasites or irritants, to protect itself, it creates an ulcer. Uh, the ulcer is actually what that pearl is. It creates the entire substance to create that pearl. So without the oyster going through pain, there'd be no pearls. Mm. No pain, no pearl. All right, so, so it's, you have a thought there? Sweetheart? Yeah, I did. Um, so what I did is I did a little research about diamonds and pearls. And so we know that diamonds actually come out of South Africa. It's one of the capitals for diamonds uh, of this world. Well, diamonds are one of the hardest substances on the earth and rare. Uh, they are the purest form of transparent carbon uh, Uh, because the carbon actually becomes the diamond. They are formed under tremendous pressure uh, down to the depth of 150 kilometers uh, below the Earth's surface called the mantle, uh, the layer of the, which is the layer of the Earth's crest and the superheated core, which is about 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit. It's almost like the weight of 4,000 men standing on your foot. 4,000 men? What'd you say? You said 4,000 men standing on your foot? Yeah, 4,000, what'd I say? Man. 
oh, men, yeah, 4,000 men standing on your foot. So can you imagine? That's a lot of weight. Um, they are transported into the surface of the earth in a volcano. So, you know, when you think about some of the relationships and stuff, sometimes it's a volcano. It seems like it erupted and it's like, oh, my God, we're about to die. Um, and, and the pressure of that relationship sometimes. Um, they are, uh, uh, let's see, what up here? They are special volcanoes known as kimberlites. Now, the kimberlites are the deposits which, search, which we search for, um, which can take up to 10 years before we can actually find a kimberlite uh, deposit, okay? Um, now, I, the reason why I thought that, because 10 years, it takes a little time to find, you know, uh, fine-tune a relationship. It mm -hmm. takes some years. Uh, but the kimberlites is what's really uh, used to transport those diamonds um, because the diamonds eventually get hidden under the rocks. So there are, there are rocky areas of our life that there's diamonds, there's, there's jewel there, there's treasures there um, uh, within that process, but it's gonna take some time. And then I was thinking, uh, let's see, what do I have here? Uh, when you find one of it, it, listen at this, after you find one of them, one of those Kimberlites that have the diamond in it, it could take another 10 years before you determine if it contains enough diamond for it to be viable, actually. Um, and then the pearls come from oysters, okay? Um, and eat, an, an oyster can live up to 40 years, which is interesting. Uh, they say that a grain, a grain of sand uh, entering the shell is a myth. I got this on National Geographic. Uh, the tiny organism in, uh, invades, there's a tiny organism that invades the character and disrupts the cell in the mantle. Uh, this causes a shell to secrete a smooth crystal-like or a crystalline substance called uh, NACA, uh, or mother of pearls, is made of the same material uh, that is inside that, that shell. Um, the, the point I'm making here is the, the length that it takes, even for the pearl to have some type of value, do you realize that one in one let's see, one in 10,000 pearls uh, ends up ha having a, uh, a value in a pearl. In other words, a, a pearl may not have the right value or the greatest value. How can I say it? One in 10,000. So you got to go through 10,000, in other words, to get to the one that has value. That has value. Mm -hmm. And so um, I said all that to say there is a process. There is a, a huge process in, in everything, including relationships. And so you talked about, you know, the, uh, the pressure. You talked about the, uh, pain. the pain. All yeah. of that is necessary in order for that jewel to, and, and all of us are looked at as jewels. We're all uh, being fine-tuned. We're all being polished. We're all being, uh, you know, um, changed into me new men and new women. And so process is, is very, we run from it, but process is important. Process, we can't negate the process because we talked a little bit about the oyster and the 
diamond, and if you don't go through the, pro the process, then you'd never get that jewel, right? If we never go through the, what, the process of our life, you know, of being buffed, uh, you know, as far as being pressured, as far as being washed, washed away, you know, our sins washed, um, um, whatever it takes to bring about this new creature in Christ, then we will abort the process. So it's a process. Pain is our friend, basically, is what I'm really trying to say. We run from pain, but pain reveals, uh, it locates where you're at. Um, it, it, uh, it, it, it does a lot of, we'll probably get into that, but it just made me think about that when you uh, talked about the Oh, thank you. So, so the reality of, you know, I was trying to throw it, I was trying to throw it around. Oh. <laughs> All right, so the reality of becoming one um, isn't without growing pain. Mm. In every aspect of our life, teens, marriages, friendships, ministries, um, you know, whether it's family, friends, the body of Christ, marriages, uh, whatever it takes, it's, it's growing pains are involved. And I think, you know, you know, there's people I have an opportunity to talk to. And sometimes we're, I don't, I, I don't know if I want to say we've been cheated. I'll just say we're not given the full reality sometimes of what it really takes to become one. And as soon as things get uneasy and uncomfortable, the, the, a part of us wants to uh, turn and run. Mm -hmm. But it costs something to, to be in a fulfilling anything. Um, you know, I've, you know, I've played for teams and I've been exposed to teams and you know, most teams that's, that's, that's done one great championships, they've gone through process. If you go back and look at the, uh, the story that they tell, uh, about what they went through, I mean, those guys were going at it. They were kicking and screaming. They were, they were just really going through different changes. You know, I think of, uh, uh, Doug Williams here, uh, uh, played, I'm not a Washington Redskins fan, but he uh, played at Grambling. He went through a process, and he, uh, through the whole season, they was doing something they never did before. They kept bringing them in games, taking them out the games, put the other guy in the games, but really they wanted the other guy. Mm. And finally, when it came close to the Super Bowl, they actually played him, played the best game of his life. He won MVP, but, it, but when, when they showed the I – I listened to the whole video. When they showed the video – you would never thought that what that team went through, it would end up with a Super Bowl championship. Mm. But they went through, uh, they went through struggle and pain. Uh, you see some, some, you know, some great, either great ministries or great stories, but they've gone, they went through growing pains. Even uh, Colonel Sanders, you know, you know, thought he had a great idea, and they, they shut down his shop. <laughs> you know, so then he went around trying to sell his re recipe, and they just kept turning them down. But he went through a lot of pain to eventually uh, uh, be a, the franchise that we know now. And so, so keep that in mind, like uh, even Christ, to become one with us. The Bible says in Mark 8.31, uh, he must suffer many things. It says he must suffer many things. And so look at what he went through. Look at his growing pains mm. to be one with us. You know, John, John chapter 17, we've been going through that. And, in master life and how he says, hey, hey, I didn't lose none and they're one with, with me as I'm one with you. But that wasn't just an easy thing. He went through a lot of pains. Mm -hmm. Did you want to read that scripture? Mark uh, 8, 31? No, nah, since I just okay. mentioned it. Uh, 
But uh, let's, let's uh, my wife wanted to highlight before we go into Romans 8, you wanted to talk about uh, uh, Hebrews 4.15, how he suffered. Well, you know, I think I mentioned it last week. Um, you know, uh, well, let's go there, Hebrews 4.15. Uh, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Um, that, that scripture, you know, is really saying that Jesus actually felt what we feel. Um, and, and so sometimes people look at Jesus as uh, a, a deity where he is God and he can't be you know, hurting, he can't feel what we feel, but he does. And he, I think he's a wonderful example of how you can be human in this human world and still overcome because he did it. He did it. And he did it. I think one of the things that helped him to do it was, um, he was, it, he was all about God's will, all about God's will being done. Um, and he got a chance, I think, to, to be able to see uh, what it was, um, which kept him kind of grounded, I think, um, to, to do the will of God. Um, he got a chance to tap into that glory uh, that uh, was revealed to him, and it just made it all worth it. Yeah, the scripture mm -hmm. says that he was able to endure the cross of the glory that was set before him. Mm -hmm. So he looked past the, the cross to the crown. He looked past the pain. Yeah to ultimately what God had pictured and planned for him. That's, you know, Hebrews 12 talks about that. Uh, just wanted to, and again, we're, we're, we're not glorifying pain, but we're embracing a reality that anything that's worth anything in our life costs something. You know, these parents here will tell you uh, they love their kids so much, but they're, they're, that child didn't show up without any pain. There was a, a, a travail. There was a process that, that they went through for that child to be birthed on this earth. But I, but I wanted us to, to focus here on Romans 8. Uh, Romans 8, 18 through 21, and then we're going to read verse 28. And here, let's, let's uh, I'm going to read it out of the King James Version, then I'll, I want to share it with you from the message. But it says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who have subject the same in hope. He says, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And of course, verse 28 says, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. But let me just read those passages um, out of the Amplified. This is probably more like 18 through 28 because uh, it's not just uh, 18 through 21 and then 28. But it says, um, that's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. The created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next. Since everything in creation is being more or less held back or restrained, 
God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into glorious times ahead. Meanwhile, the joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pains. But it's not, on, it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. Like she's waiting for pain relief also. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become, and the more joyful our expectancy. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves, mm. knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Mm. So if you see the process there, the way the message broke it down is there's pain involved. There's, there's anytime there's something in our lives that has to be birthed, there's pain involved. And I think it just, it, it, it connects back to the original plan in the, well, not the original plan, but the original fallout in the garden where the punishment was you would, you would uh, labor to birth. Mm. Before that, there was no labor to birth. So there will be, from that point on, there was pain involved in birthing. And memory said the, the adversary will always be after what we're trying to birth. Mm. And so that resistance creates a level of pain because it's not easy to break through because something is trying to hold back what's trying to manifest. And so when you get into a relationship and you start moving towards agreement, whether it's ministry, whether it's family, or, or husband and wife, or boyfriend and girlfriend, if you notice in a lot of situations, even in the wonderful infatuation of coming together, there's always these moments of difference. There's these moments of different perspective. There's these moments of missed understanding. Well, those are opportunities in God-ordained relationships. I want to emphasize that. Those are opportunities for us to, to, to grow together, to merge together. Scripture says this. It says, but our light affliction is but for a moment, of t moment in time, but work it for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. That's 2 Corinthians 4.17. So right before he says, don't look at the things that you see, they're temporal. Most of what we see and we experience may be painful in a moment, but it's temporary. It's subject. Temporary means subject to change. It has to submit to change. Everything, you, know, you, you always hear the phrase, this too will pass. Mm. That means it has to submit to change. What happens is when we're young, we're immature, or sometimes even in, in our adult ages, 
when it's hard for us to be patient, you know, we're in a microwave society. We want relief now. Mm. You know, we, want, we don't want to go through the process. I shared this story years ago, but just the process of butterflies. Uh, caterpillars becoming butterflies, so they, they end up in that cocoon, and they have to go through a process. They have to go through a process where they have to squeeze through that cocoon the fluid, because they're filled up with fluid. Their wings are like super tiny when that caterpillar get, get, get uh, filled up. And so when they squeeze through the cocoon, the fluid is flushed into those little tiny wings and it builds big wings and they become, you know, the little skinny uh, butterfly with the big wings. Now, somebody can see that process and go, oh, poor little caterpillar. It's struggling. Let me help it. And open up the cocoon. Wow. Well, you're opening up the very tool of pain that it needs to flush that fluid out and create wings for it to now not crawl but fly so that that, that butterfly will die. Mm. All because somebody tried to relieve it from its process. Wow. Mm. Right? And so that's the, rea- the reality is it's a, it's, it's, it, there's growing pains. And then some of the things that's, that's well, some cases seemingly unfair. Some cases it may just be unfair. But that last scripture, we have to trust that God loves us so much, he'll work out all things together for our good. Now, the scripture says there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful with the temptation. He'll make a way of escape that you'll be able to bear it. So what it's saying is it doesn't say the way the old school traditional church says God won't put on you more than you can bear. Never said God put it on you. Mm-hmm. What it said is there's no level of temptation that you're, that's coming at you that's not, that's not common. Mm-hmm. And God will take that temptation and make a, convert it into a way of escape that you'll be able to bear. But as a human... It's understandable. It's unbearable. But it will forge out more in you to go through than to bail out. Mm. You see, and so sometimes relief now is like the caterpillar. Relief now will cost you your life later. Mm. But going through the process now just strengthens you (coughs) and puts you in a position where you'll fly later. That's good. So let's read this in the message. It says, uh, so we're not giving up. Tell your neighbor, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. How could we? (laughs) Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us or on the inside where God is making a new life. I like that. So on the outside, it really looks like God is, um, like things are falling apart, but God is actually making a new life on the inside of us, uh, where God, well, I said that, um, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration uh, prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. So just what you see on the outside, what you're going through on the outside, Excuse is far more greater. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. This is the message. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I didn't get the code. <laughs> Listen to this. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. 
And so uh, I want to read this, this other scripture here. Um, so, so God wants to sh ask God, this is what I want y'all to do, all of us to do, ask God to show us what we can't see. Uh, I want to read 1 Peter 4, 12. 1 Peter, that wasn't in the notes, uh, so you don't have that TV land. Um, but anyway, it says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you, uh, as though some strange thing happened unto you. So don't, so when these trials and tribulations and things come, don't think it's strange. It says, but rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is to be revealed or shall be revealed, you, uh, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. So I thought that that was actually, uh, let's see, did I put... Oh, yeah, let me read it all the way to the, because this is really good stuff here. Um, it says, uh, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you in the spirit of glory of God, resteth, or the glory of God resteth, resteth upon you. Uh, on their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a, a busybody in other men's matter. It says, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on, the, on this behalf. For the time is come, listen at this, the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And, it, and if it first begin, begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, listen, if the righteous scarcely be saved, <laughs> uh, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So, I mean, it was saying, you know, basically don't think it's strange that you, that we're going through this stuff. You know, don't think it like you, there's a freak of nature happening in you. There, it, all of this suffering is not just, it's just no, not, no, you know, it's not, uh, the suffering is not just, just happenstance. There is a purpose and a reason for everything, and God is trying to sharpen us as Christians. Think about the word Christians. It, it's it's uh, in Christ, a, a person who is living like Christ lives. Well, we, we've been born in sin and shaped in iniquity, so that's not our automatic. That's not our default to be like Christians. We have to grow to that. We have to become a new creature in Christ so that old things can, can, can pass, away, pass away. So don't think it's strange that we're going through what we're going through. God is doing a far greater work in all of us to sharpen us, to get us prepared to really be um, uh, all he called us to be. The temptation is to get stuck in the moment when the scripture actually talks about don't get weary and well-doing, but you'll reap if you faint not. See, delays, what'd you say? Yeah, in due season, you'll reap if you faint not. So, you know, delays are good. A lot of times we can't stand delays, but delays are good. You know, uh, um, uh, it does work out for your good, but you have to be present to see it. 
to see it work out for good. You know, I think about delays. Uh, I was just uh, meditating about just delays, period. And um, I had wrote a little thing about it on Facebook about delays and how, you know, delays are for various reasons. But one of the thoughts I had was, you know, you, you, uh, you're on an airplane, right? And I think, did I share that last week? No. You're on an airplane, right? And the captain gets on the, on the speaker and he says, well, you know what? It's going to be a slight delay. Now, the delay, matter of fact, the delay he tells, us, tells you that it's going to be is like maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and it's really messing up your flight, right? But he says, okay, it's going to be a slight delay uh, because we have some mechanical issues uh, on this plane. Now, first off, it's a delay, right? Are you going to be like, well, I wish they hurry up and get this plane on, uh, off the ground? No, you're going to be like, whatever it takes, look, get that thing fixed <laughs> because I don't want to move until that thing gets off the ground, I mean, you know, until it gets fixed. So, see, in that case, delays is not a bad thing. So, the same as it is for that is the same as it is for us. Those delays are on purpose. Those delays is where God is working behind the scenes to bring about his perfect plan. Those delays don't even look like it's going to even have, like, like the life that you want in Christ, the life that we want in this world, sometimes it doesn't even look like it's going to happen because everything that you look at is contrary to what it is that you're believing for, right? But there's a delay for a reason. That delay is to fix. That delay is to reveal. That delay is to, to really cause us to even depend on God. Because if, honestly, if everything was hunky-dory, why would we depend on God? Why? Why would we need him? Would we even go to him? No, we would become our own God. We would decide what we needed to do. There would be no reason to go before a holy God who sees everything and it, it would be no need for it because why? We got the answer. That's right. But he's got the answer. <laughs> we got a answer maybe, but he got the answer. And so we have to really, really embrace in. delays. Yes. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about what she was saying, you know, just the value of delays. And I was taught by a man of God, uh, my former pastor, his father taught him delay is preparation, mm -hmm. you know. And when I first heard that thought, I said, wow. So that means anytime there's a delay, I'm being prepared for something. And so I started to embrace life that way. Like if there was a delay, instead of me rushing and pushing, it was like there's something else that I needed, even though I might have thought I was already ready. And so I thought about, you know, when we got our second house. You know, we built the house. <coughs> we built the house. Put a down payment, build the house. They almost finished it, but 30 days before they built the house, they put the house on the market because we had to sell our, our first house. Well, we couldn't sell it, so they sold it to somebody. But by faith, we was like, put it on the market. Ain't nobody buying that. That's our house. By faith, they sold that house. And then uh, so the lady came. She says, well, we don't normally do this, let you build another house because you know, we're in the business of selling houses, not just to be building houses, just to be building houses. So the lady uh, so she, she let us build another house. We, we was ministering to her. We invited her to a service. She comes to the service. The spirit of God's moving. Everybody's running around the church. She runs around the church, runs up to me and puts a check in my pocket. It was the down payment. So she paid the down payment. So what are we thinking? Well, you know that's God now, right? So, of course, Mrs. Wonderful here, the second house, she found more stuff she wanted. So, that, so this house <laughs> costs even more. 
And so, and so she'd be like, well, who's paying for it anyway? Even though it was way beyond the budget of going from the first house. The first house cost us like 75000 or something. So, so I said, okay, well, we'll see what God's doing. And the lady gave us a check. So I noticed this guy, same process, get 30 days out. Well, we have to put the house on the market until you sell your house. Now, almost like a year and a half has gone by now. And I was like, the lady gave us a check, second house. I know good and well, ain't nobody <laughs> buying that house. A week later, somebody bought that house. And so I was like, what is, what is going on? And, and, you know, she's going around, I told y'all, showing a house to people <laughs> that we don't have. And so we sat down, we prayed about it. Uh, we went and uh, I, I took out the for sale by owner sign from the grass. And I said, well, God didn't tell us to get a, a realtor. He told us to sell a house by owner. So I put that back in the grass. And then she says, well, what if God sells the, what if God sells our house? We don't have a house to go to. So that day we went out looking for a house. We saw another house. The house was bigger than the other two houses, but cost $35,000 less. Out of nowhere, well, I guess it wasn't out of nowhere, but the interest rate had dropped the lowest it had dropped in 30 years. And so we ended up getting a bigger house, less money with a, with a low interest rate. Mind you, I have to put this in there. I didn't like the two houses we built. <laughs> so I, I chose all the, the, like the, the counters, the, I chose the, the, the brick, uh, the, the stucco, all that stuff on the outside. Man, you know, I don't know if anybody's ever done, you know, built a house before, but it looks good on paper until they put, <laughs> when they put it up, I was like, oh man, I didn't want that. So that, the first house, that happened. I was like, oh gosh. And then when they sold, I said, thank you, Jesus. Honestly, I was really, I was really happy, honey. And so then after the second one, I built that. I said, oh, I'm going to really make sure that I picked the right stuff. Man, that house went up, y'all, and it looked so ugly. It really did. So it really, and I've always believed God gives us the desires of our heart. So Obviously, I was delighting myself in him. So he, he gave me <laughs> desires of my heart. Because honestly, those, both of those houses look really uh, ugly. They look really ugly. So, so, so in that case, that was a benefit to delay. Now, mm -hmm. this is the hard part in processing through delay, processing through growing pains, processing through hurt, uh, processing through... Uh, sometimes we hurt ourselves. We, we make mishaps and we've made mistakes and, you know, we try to rush out of a mistake as opposed to just, just going through the process. We have to put our feelings on a gag order. Mm. Feelings have no voting rights. See, that's the challenge. Our feelings are getting a say. And our feelings are getting us in trouble and almost has us... So it's one thing to make a mistake and miss it. We've all done that. But it's another thing to allow your feelings to get in the way and you try to soothe your feelings and then you compound the mistake. And then your feelings get it. Well, your feelings go, okay, I know I was just tripping right there, but this is really what you should do. No, your feelings get no say because your feelings are making the, the matters worse and worse and worse and clouding you from the reality of your choice that you're making. Mm. So your mind will have to be arrested for the renewing uh, by the Spirit. So we have to renew our minds uh, to the Word of God. Uh, avoid protecting, covering, and feeding yourself. That's God's job. And I put here, meekness is, a weak, uh, meekness is not weakness. Um, 
Matthew's uh, 5, 5 talks about blessed is, are the meek, for they shall inherit uh, the earth. Um, meekness models the humility of Jesus Christ. Uh, Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says, uh, it says, being in, in very nature, I'm sorry, Jesus being in, in very nature, the very nature of God, uh, did not consider equality with God uh, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, uh, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to, to death, uh, even death on the cross. Being in the very nature of God, Jesus had the right to do whatever he wanted to, but for our sake, he submitted to death on the cross. Uh, that is the ultimate of meekness. Um, I, I put that down there because meekness, um, we often think of meekness as a form of weakness. Um, if I don't defend myself, if I don't stand up, if I don't you know, uh, give people an understanding, if, if people don't really know what's going on inside me, I mean, we come up with a whole bunch of reasons why we have this need to uh, validate ourselves. We have this need to um, uh, defend ourselves. Um, but meekness is a strength. It really is a strength. And, um, you know, really, when you think about um, the things that we go through, what gives us peace is, um, is, is just really uh, trusting that God is going to take care of that situation. Um, going into his presence, going into that secret place, you know, going into uh, his presence because in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, when you go into his presence, there's peace there waiting on us. He has answers. Answers are waiting on us. I mean, there's so much in his presence and that's what shields us from the, the cares of this world. Um, so, you know, I don't know. The meekness is something that stuck out because... Uh, because of pride, we always are looking for ways to defend ourselves. Because of pride, we're always trying to make sure that, you know, we look good or sound good before people. Uh, but meekness is really a strength. It really is. So, so through this process, through, through the process of either being hurt or navigating through hurt or trying to begin again or... Um, you know, either taking a second chance or giving a second chance, we have to reject the mind's desire to create a wall. Mm. The mind is, as a reflex, you know, if you think about any time we've been hurt, our first thought is, this ain't going to happen to me again. And so your default is, is to create a wall. Um, we have to uh, refuse to allow hurt to catch a ride out of that moment into the next minute, the next hour, the next day, month or year. We have to leave hurt in that moment. And that's what the hard part is, you know, to leave hurt in a moment, but, but, and, and, and let it, let it almost become your friend and, and walk with you through all these other situations. You know, you know, we always talk about, we've said it before and we said it today, all things do work together for good. But if you could take the next best step from there and hurt and this wall doesn't allow us to take a step. What it does is it, it, creates, it creates this barrier that keeps us in that same place. 
And so even when we look to soothe or comfort ourselves with alcohol and different things of that nature, all that does is comfort you in a place that you don't want to be. It numbs you to the reality of where you are. When you wake up out of the, 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 the stupor, you're still in the same place. You know, so you tell yourself, well, uh, I got relief from the pain. Okay, so this is, you know, I always use the scenario when we used to, you know, put all types of numbing gels on our legs and knees and stuff like that, you know, you know, because it's all about jumping out the sky, playing basketball, jumping as high as you can. But what we were doing was numbing ourselves to the signal of pain. Mm-hmm. Pain is saying, hey, you're going too far. You're damaging me. That's enough. But we were numb to that pain. So when it wore off, we really had damaged ourselves. You hear athletes all the time say, man, I really ruined my life because I took a lot of shots, a lot of pain shots that allowed me to, to still play, but I'm breaking down that part of my body because I can't feel the signal to say wow. you're going too far, right? And that's the thing. When you start to numb yourself, you don't recognize you're going too far and you could actually cause more pain. And so, so this is the thing. Walls do block out uh, people hurting you, but it also blocks out people helping you. And that's what's so dangerous. You block out hurt, but you also block out help. You know, so we have to be willing to take those steps. Scripture says, faith without works is dead. James chapter 2, verse 17. And so in every situation, we're in, God has given us these tools to apply faith. It takes faith to move beyond that pain. It takes faith to begin again and trust that God is going to cover me, protect me, feed me, take care of me in the midst of a, a, a situation that, that I'm taking a risk of, of possibly uh, being exposed to something that I've been through already because I'm in a new relationship or I'm in a new church. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've, I'm navigating through a new friendship. I'm taking on a new job. They played me at the last job. They treated me like garbage. Um, and I gave myself to that job. So can I go into the next job and give myself as, as this is a new entity? Or do I go into the next job? I tell you what, I'm doing a bare minimum. You know, ain't nobody playing me. They weren't at the other job. It's a new situation. So the longer you're in the moment, it becomes your reality. The longer you're in the moment, it becomes your reality. Yeah, so you can't stay there, Mm-mm. you know, because now it's converted to something that's happened in your life to something that is your life. So walls block out hurt and hurting people close up to protect against hurt. They also protect against help and uh, prevent the greater one in them. So the greater, the scripture talks about greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Um, that's uh, 1 John 4 and 4. Mm-hmm. Did you want to read Romans 8? Yeah, let's do that. Romans 8. Let's go to Romans 8. We're going to start here. Verse 31. 
All right, so it says, uh, what shall we say, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that uh, condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, uh, rather, that is risen again, and who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution uh, or famine or nakedness or peril or, or sword? As, is, as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, neither death or neither height nor death nor any other creature shall be able to separate us uh, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But, but you know, through that scripture, it says... For his sake, we're killed all the day long. Mm -hmm. So, so, and, and what it's saying is like our self is being broken down to get out the way. Mm -hmm. You know, I die daily, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so, so it's saying, but no matter what you're going through that, that seemingly seems like you're losing yourself, what's happening is you're gaining God. Mm -hmm. And so some of these things that are happening to us, we think they're going to destroy us because they're, they, they're crucifying us. But we're going to live through Christ if we embrace our relationship with God. It's really assisting us to get into a deeper relationship with God, right? Because without the circumstances, we wouldn't be pressing and praying like we're praying, right? <laughs> right? All right. So no matter what happens... Mm -hmm. Uh, Isaiah, yeah, go ahead. Isaiah yeah, no weapon formed against us can prosper. So, so it, it, the weapons will get formed. It'll look like it's trying to take us out, but it, it won't be able to prosper against us. Mm -hmm. See, its desire is for us not to be in an abiding relationship with Christ. That's the desire. You think the desire is to destroy self. The desire is to take you out of a relationship with Christ. See, going back to that, that, that Harvard Law School scripture, they tried to bury us. But they didn't know we were seeds. See, so all this stuff is trying to bury us, but we're seeds. The more we get buried in Christ, the more we flourish as great men and women of God to fulfill our purpose. So, so, so on one end, we're allowing the burial but on the other end, we're allowing the resurrection. <laughs> mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like we're, we're, we're embracing the opportunity to be resurrected. So we can't let these situations have this greater weight on us. So Psalms 118 verse 6 says, the Lord is on my side. Man, if you got the Lord on your side, who can be against you? I will not fear what man or what can man do unto me. I mean, if God is on our side, think about it. Like, a lot of times we're fighting in a relationship um, uh, because we want the person to take our side. 
You know, if you think about it, we want them to agree with us. We want, you know, but really the person that you really want on your side is God. So if God is on your side, who could be against you? I mean, that's, that, that's big right there, but we'd be looking for human people to be on our side. You know, I mean, really looking for human people and, and, and human, they fall, they, they're frail, they're, you know, but if God Almighty is on our side, and that's, that's, that's big right there. I would rather have God on my side. Not, I'm keeping it real. I would rather have God on my side than you on my side. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? When it's all said and done. If it had to be if anybody. If it had to be anybody, let right. It be let it be God. <laughs> let it be God. It's cool. uh, but I do want you on my side too now. Don't, don't get I me got wrong. You. <laughs> I got you. This, see, so, so, so we're spending time to, to, once again, we're not, trying to glorify pain, but we're trying to offer tools to, to how to navigate something that's going to exist. When I first hurt my ankle, first time I ever twisted my ankle, I had never experienced that pain before. So this is not a true statement, but this is how I felt. I felt like I was going to die. I was like, what is, like, I didn't know, I didn't know how long it was going to last, if it was going to be forever. Like, what is, I had never experienced that pain before. I think me and Ms. Lamar, so I was telling them, uh, they told me, so I'm, I'm going to order some, some goggles for when I play basketball, which I was told ages ago, because I had one good eye, and it was like, protect your eye. But, you know, Mr. Faith, man, I wasn't even worried about it. But I told him, I actually got stuck in my right eye before, mm -hmm. literally a finger in my eye. And I was in West 4th Street playing in, in, in New York, and I remember that day that I felt like I was going to die. I never experienced that pain. But that wasn't as bad as the fear that I had, like, is this forever? Like, I should have listened. I should have wore something over my eye. Will I not be able to see? I struggled to get home that day because I had to go catch the train back to New Jersey. And I was walking, and I didn't want the people in New York to think I couldn't see because they would have robbed me or something. So, so I was, like, walking like I could see, but I was like, oh, my God, am I going to get home? Is this a permanent I'm not going to be able to see, and that pain. But once you've gone through something, it's different. Like, I probably snapped my ankle about 30, 40 times. But I remember I used to say, it's going to be painful for a little while. Eventually, it's going to go away. When, other, when the young kids would hurt the ankle, I was like, hey, hey, it's going to hurt for a little per period of time, but the pain's going to go away. <laughs> it's the same thing God is telling us. It's going to hurt for a period of time. The pain's going to go away. But we have to, we can't spend all our time magnifying the pain. We have to cast down our imaginations that every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Mm -hmm. We got to, like, you, and, and you got to, you, you might have to cast it down all day. I cast down that thought in Jesus' name. But, but it's going to keep trying to pop up in your head like a pop-up, you know, because you opened it up, like you open up the, 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 uh, the app on your phone or you went into that website, and then now you keep getting the pop-up to sell the items to you, uh, stuff like that. And you're like, why does stuff keep coming? Because you opened up the site. Well, when you open up the site to pain and worst-case scenarios, it's just going to keep popping up in your mind. You got to, I cast that down in Jesus' name. I cast that down. I'll quote the whole scripture. But again, you don't attack it with, to keep thinking about it, you have to speak God's word on it. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and. This is the thing, negative in, negative out. So if you focus on negative, 
out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak, that's what's coming out of your life. That's what's going to happen all around you. If, if you're focusing, speaking, and magnifying, and, and using all your energy on the worst case scenario, guess what you're about to get? What Job got, Job 325, the thing that I greatly feared, not greatly faithed, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me, Right? And so, so, so we're just trying to help you navigate through this. See, our, our peace, see, God wants us to have peace in the midst of all challenges. You know, uh, I know they don't have this online, but Psalm 4610 says, be still know that I'm God, right? So what he's saying is our peace in the midst of challenges are gauged to measure our ability to go deeper in God. Because when a challenge comes, it's trying to what? Tempt you to respond or to react and pull you out of God's presence. You can only get fearful and angry and concerned and worry outside of God's presence. And so if you can hold on to your peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. Philippians 4, after he tells you to be careful for nothing or worry for nothing or anxious for nothing, Philippians 4, 6, it says the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind, right? Then he tells you to think on these things. So verse 7 is, the peace of God, verse 8 is, think on these things that are lovely, beautiful. What he's saying is this peace helps us to, to go deeper in God, to relinquish more control of God. So, so every time we hold on to our peace and the circumstances coming at us, picture yourself like almost like you're, you're, you're resting in a bed and it keeps sinking. You keep sinking more and more and more into it. So every time you attempt it, and you, you relax and say, God, I'm going to just trust you on this one. You sink more and more into his presence. Your communion in, in God gets greater. That's what the attack, that's what the pain, the hurt is trying to put. What happens when you first get hurt? You don't go in the spirit sometimes. You go in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I tell you what, I ain't the one. I tell you what, this is not going to happen to me. The adversary is like, you may, you, you may kick his butt that day. But at the ex- you had to leave God's presence to do it. So it wasn't worth the win because of what it cost you. See, so, and what's going to help us deal with each person and circumstances, circumstance as unique. Every situation, mm-hmm. try to train yourself. This is a unique situation, not as a universal catalyst for future unrelated situations. So if, this, if somebody hurts you, that person in this situation hurt me. Not, see, I'll tell you what, because people, no, it's not people, because you haven't dealt with people. You've dealt with that person. So you, it can't stop you from moving forward in any other relationship, or in it, and it shouldn't stop you from seeing the other relationships through those lenses. That's not the same person. Maybe it, says, it may say some things that are close. God knows I experienced that, <laughs> but it's not the same person, Right? Try to, it'll help you to move forward because you go, I'm going to deal with every situation as unique. So you can, you may say, these three people have done this, but you, you got to watch putting it on as a lens to look at every situation because it'll, now you don't have a natural delay. You're creating a delay. Do you have a thought there? Yeah, that, that's really good. I mean, so not even in, in every uh, race, relational situation, but even in your own marriage, um, you can like have the same 
uh, thing that pops up, but you're looking at it through the same lenses, uh, but you've got to challenge yourself to look at that situation as being unique. Not that it's, oh, here we go again. You know how you do, how we all do. Oh, here we go again, as opposed to just realizing, okay, okay, this is a different situation. Let's, let's, let's uh, talk through mm -hmm. what's going on in this particular situation. Uh, the message version uh, in Luke 4.18 says, God's spirit is on, is on me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor, sent me to pronounce pardon to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the burdens of, of battered free, to announce this is God's year to act. You know, uh, of course, the King James Version talks about he's anointed me to preach the gospel, but mm -hmm. Christ came to relieve us from hurt and pain mm -hmm. and the bondage of it. Right, that to destroy the works of the devil. The devil has been working so hard to keep us out of relationship with God because he lost his relationship, and so he's used it by blinding us. You think about all the relationships where people are clouded, and all the things the adversary used to cloud us, to create blind spots, to mm -hmm. cause misunderstanding, uh, the brokenhearted. people that are just bound and not free to navigate what their purpose to do. Well, Christ's whole design was to free us from, from, from all of these different things. That's a part of destroying the works of the devil. I wanted to read something to you guys out of Isaiah 56. Um, and this may be the message too. I forgot to write it down. Isaiah 56, 1 through 3. All right? It says, who believes what we've heard and seen? Uh, I know the King James Verse says, who believes our report? It says, who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? It says, the servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all sheep who have wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him. And so, of course, this is uh, the message version of Isaiah. See, what I love about the passage is people rejected him and looked at him like, man, what's wrong with him? <sighs> look at him. You know how people go now, look at, look at this, look at this person. Mm -hmm. See, probably going through that because of the craziness that they done done. If they was handling their business, they wouldn't be in that situation. That, that's how people just kind of just blew him off. But the reality was what people were looking at that they were blowing off, he got because he was paying a price for us. 
It was a reflection of, of what we've been doing in our disobedience. And what we've constantly done, it was piled on him. So, so he gave his life so we didn't have to live in pain and hurt. And if we, when we're going through pain and hurt, we cast our cares, don't carry them. You see what I'm saying? We embrace, if, the hope is that it takes us deeper in a relationship with God, not separate us from God. That was, that's the goal. The goal is whatever happens, we're supposed to, so, so whatever happens creates a void. We're supposed to take that thirst and get it quenched by God, not run from the thirst quencher, if that makes sense. No, that's real good because oftentimes we call mama, we call our girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, um, to get advice when really the situation that, that is at hand is really making a demand on us to seek God first. Seek God first. How many of us really, we get on the phone, we call everybody, but we don't do God first? The everybody is, should be like confirmation, you know what I mean, from what you've gotten in your time with God. It should be more of a confirmation as opposed to, hey, I'm going to call, you know, Ray, and then Ray gives me my, some advice, but I don't get with God first. God should be the first person that we go to. He is our father, and so we need to make sure that we go to him first uh, before we uh, start branching out to other people. Other people should be confirmation. You know, God is desiring for all of us to have a relationship with him. And it comes with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Going to him with the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, uh, and, and even the good and bad and ugly of who we are. See, sometimes we don't even, we're ashamed to go to God because we feel like, you know, we're, um, we're making him angry. Uh, we're disappointing him. Uh, but God really wants, he desires for us to be truth, truth, walk in truth. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, it's imperative that we, we do that. Go before God just as you are. That's when the healing begins. See, you can't, you can't fix a lie. It's, you, you, think about that. You, you, you can't fix a lie. Now, you, you, you know, we got to get to a place where truth is what matters. The truth of the matter is we need help. The truth of the matter is I need help. Let's say I need help, not help the person, you know, help the other person, because we are so quick to be like, look, just fix the other person because they're making my life miserable. No, God, fix me. Help me. Because it's something that I'm telling you, I'm telling we, y'all, it is a distraction from the enemy. Anytime when something comes our way, the first thing that the enemy wants us to do is to deflect. He doesn't want us to look at us because why? He doesn't want, he doesn't want us to grow. He don't want us to mature. He wants, he wants us to stay immature uh, Christians really. And, and so what that, what does that do? It becomes a bad witness because if we're immature, then the people that are, that, that are not in the Lord, they look at us and they'd be like, well, they call themselves a Christian. So it's a setup. 
it's a setup, and if we don't pick, if we don't recognize that, we'll we'll fall into that trap. It's a trap that the enemy is trying to get us to to just take all the pressure off yourself. You're okay, girl. You're okay, guy. You know, it's their problem. They're the problems. No, God wants us to look at. Okay, why is this happening? What is it that you need to learn from it? Because as soon as you take your eyes off of you then you'll take, your, you'll take the responsibility off of you. you. You won't look at you at all, and you'll never grow. The thing that's happening to you is helping you to actually grow. Believe it or not, the thing that's actually happening to you right now, you, you, you know your situation, I don't know everything, but whatever is happening to you right now is actually used, God wants to use that to grow you, to mature you. But we'll look at that situation like, this, ain't, this is only happening because of what this person is doing to me. Finding fault as opposed to looking within and learning God, what can I do different? What should I have said differently? You know what I mean? Just really, really maximizing that opportunity because it's, it's happening for a reason, and it ain't because of the other person always. And, and, and as, of course, if you're talking about hurt and pain, you have some very unfair, some, some abusive, mm -hmm. crazy situations. And the thing is, is our trust is, well, we need God more than ever in those situations. But I, but our trust is the, the word says all things work together for good, and in some cases it may, it just may be working together for someone else's good. People will learn. People mm -hmm. by as you break through and press through and heal and become whole, you're in a position to help other people break through, press through, and heal and become whole. Mm -hmm. um, it's a process, you know. I, and I'm not saying that just as a pastor because I've I've been in some unfair situations and some um, life-threatening uh, abusive situations uh, but as I've grown now now trust me on the side of it happening I was mad so so this just that's reality but as I r recognized that my my bitterness and and me my vengefulness was only destroying my life more and I decided, okay, well, God, I'm gonna try it your way. When it worked out, it positioned me to to make sure it happens to no one else. Mm -hmm. You know, to be there for someone else. Uh, but but you know, some of the people I said, well, I wouldn't even be able to talk to you if I didn't relate. If you didn't relate at that particular level. So so God takes it all and works it out for good. It's it's mm -hmm. always a bigger picture. But you you can't see how it works out for good if you're not present. That means you have to move beyond where you are to see how it works out for good. You know, we, 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 it's, a, it's a miracle sometimes how it works out for good. It's a miracle to be healed through some of those things. It's a miracle to be, be able to forgive because we know that's not us. Mm -hmm. You know, in certain scenarios, it had to be God to bring that level of love out of you in that particular situation. It's a miracle. Mm. Um, and it changes people at a whole nother level. So uh, I wanted to offer that in the midst of uh, something. Let me, let me share one other sure. thing. You made me think about it. Uh, you may be in a bad relationship where the person's abusive. And 
you go from that relationship into another abusive relationship. Well, we're not saying, okay, endure that pain. But what we are saying, though, is take a look at why is it that you're finding yourself in these abusive relationships? Because it's, it's not Johnny and James. It's something within you that's attracting those type of people. And so you have to challenge yourself. Don't, don't be, because you can go through life as the victim. You can go through life. I don't know if I want to say attracting them. You know, you might be in situations where there's something in you that, well, well he was about to say they pray on, but mm -hmm. I was also going to say that, that uh, I don't even know if I even want to use something in you. I just want to say it may be a worldview where you think you don't deserve better than that. Right, right. That's what I was trying to go to, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, almost like a, a, you know, you could have been through another level of abuse where you don't see yourself as valuable as you are. Um, I mean, that's just one scenario. Well, and I we think can't hit all of them at one time. Yeah, you can't. And uh, I, I mean, yeah. I think you know. Uh, sometimes our 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 perception of people and relationships can be skewed. So that's I think for me, I'll speak for myself. Uh, when I felt like I had beat me written on my forehead, uh, what it was is my my uh, perception of men that I would meet uh, was skewed. And, and, and so I trusted them before I should have trusted them. Um, I allowed them access uh, uh, quicker than what I should have. Um, but they all, it, when I look back, uh, it was not really, I felt like I, because of the, the skewed way I thought about myself, how I saw myself, um, then I wasn't as vigilant in, in uh, maybe uh, vetting these people. Like, I just put up with let any emotions, old thing. Let your yeah, let my, carry, yeah. carry you. And, and so I didn't vet these people, you know, so, that's, yeah. That's, that's a good perspective. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, you're speaking from experience, so. Mm -hmm. uh, any, uh, uh, so let's, let's open it up. I know we had a, uh, a couple plan, but I, I think that scheduling changed that a little bit, so we'll do that at another time. Uh, but any thoughts or questions or perspectives, insights from anybody from what they heard tonight?